Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. When I first came into this world, everything was calm. I was at peace. I had a lot of joy in my life. I like getting up every single morning. I look forward to it. Good mom, good dad, good older sister, two older brothers. They had already moved out of the house, but they would come visit me. I love hanging out with them, man. Had a great dog. His name was Beauregard. He was my best friend. It was back in the day before a lot of the cartoons you guys know. So my favorite cartoons back in the day were things like Bugs Bunny, the Flintstones. I used to watch the Muppets a lot. Some of you are like, what is that? What's going on? All you know is SpongeBob. I don't know. Or fin- Phineas and Ferb. So anyway, life was all good. There was nothing, nothing chaotic, nothing crazy. I love waking up. I love going to bed when my mom would tuck me in, tickle me, say prayers with me. My sister would come in too, and she had this little teddy bear, and she would make them talk. I felt safe. I felt love. It felt like there was unity in our family. It was a good place to be. If I was out, like when I started going to K4, I didn't like it. I wanted to come home because home was a place I looked forward to. But listen to me. Like a lot of you that are in this room, it did not stay that way. Calm, peace, love, joy, safety, it got chaotic. It got crazy. It fell apart. Home became a place that I couldn't stand. Home became a place that I don't want to be there. Home became a place that I feared being at. It all started when I was five, and my mom got pancreatic cancer. Just like that, man, as soon as we heard she was sick, it didn't take long. She was dead. I never saw my mom again. By the time I was six years old, my dad had remarried a woman he should have never married. She brought three kids into the marriage, and that brought constant turmoil. She had a lot of issues, a lot of anger, a lot of unresolved conflict. She was violent. We didn't know any of this at the time. I was just told, this is your new mom, these are your new brothers, it's your new sister. And I'm going to tell you more about my story this week, but I wanted to start with just some of that, because right away, it's so easy when a speaker comes up here to think like, I can't connect with him because he's probably got such a great life, such a good life. I had a great life, a good life, but at five years old, it was, sorry, It was stripped from me. It got taken away. And it wasn't wasn't anything that I did. I didn't deserve it. Some of you relate. And as I share more of my story and the things that happened over the next seven years while my dad stayed married to that woman, some of you are going to say, man, me too. Me too, Jason. I know chaos. I know pain. I know what it's like to hurt. I know what it's like to many times cry myself to sleep. I know what it's like to fear so bad 
that family sends you to a doctor because they know you got deep anxiety issues, you got depression issues. I know what it's like to be on medicine for some of that, to go to multiple counselors. My life has been very chaotic. But through the chaos, I eventually came to find one who brings peace. I found this one that began to heal me and help me and take all my chaos that was in my life and say, Jason, I have a plan with that. Chaos so bad that I've wanted to take my own life. Some of you understand that. Some of you don't. Some of you think that's stupid. That's selfish. For those of you that think that, let me just say, you've never hurt that deeply. You've never hurt so bad to know what it feels like that you just don't want to live anymore. I have felt that. I've had some things come into my life over the last couple years that have brought major chaos back into my life. Having all these health issues for a couple years, couldn't figure it out, doctor after doctor, test after test, specialist after specialist, come to find out that I have something called Lyme disease with several co-infections. I began having chronic headaches. I get headaches every single day. I have to take medicine to keep them under control. My life feels chaotic. Listen to me. Yesterday, the headaches were so bad, and I knew I had to come here to camp and teach you guys, tell you about hope and love, tell you about God, the one who can bring peace. And I felt so chaotic and so messed up with all my physical issues that affect me mentally. They affect me emotionally. I can't even think straight sometimes. I was in my work van. I got home. I just broke down crying at the steering wheel. I can't do this, God. Please. I'm just going to cancel. I'm going to tell them I can't come to camp. I can't. I'm a mess. I'm a mess mentally. I'm a mess emotionally. I don't feel good. I'm scared to go there because what if I have one of my flare-ups? What if my headache is so bad like I vomit on stage or something? And, and what, what if it's so bad I pass out? It's been that bad. So all these fears, and then I get these thoughts in my mind. I know some of y'all get some of these thoughts. Just those negative, ugly, just try to bring you down. Thoughts like, don't go to camp. God's not with you. If God was with you, he'd have healed you. You're not going to do any good there. What do you got to say? What are you going to offer them? Your life is chaotic right now with all you're going through. You got a speaker this week that understands out of control, understands chaos, understands pain, understands what it's like to despair of life, to, to, to get at a point where you don't look forward to the next morning. <laughs> I know what that feels like, but with all of that, listen to me. I'm going to tell you about one this week that has helped pull me through. Some of you, 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 you may want to debate maybe some things. I'm not here to debate. Well, you believe in God. I don't. I believe in this. Listen, all I can tell you is 
I've experienced God. When nothing else could pull me through, when medicine after medicine after medicine couldn't calm me, couldn't help me stay in control, couldn't take the headaches away, I have seen God completely through prayer eliminate them. Like right now. I've had a headache all day. I had a headache back there waiting for this to start, rubbing my head. I took medicine before I came up here. But then I get up here, and he does exactly what I asked him to do. I want peace, God. I need to have a clear mind. I need to be able to communicate, not just read a bunch of notes to these guys. I don't want to read notes to you. I want to talk to you. I want to be real with you guys this week. I'm not up on the stage. I'm down here with you. In many ways, I'm one of you. I hurt too. Life has not always gone the way I want it to. It's rarely gone the way I want it to. That's just where I'm at. You know we live in a chaotic world. Y'all look around. Most of us in here, Seriously, we don't even like watching the news. I don't. I get stressed. It works me up. I get tired of those on the right, the conservatives, and I get tired of those on the left. I get tired of those in the middle. There's so much, man. I agree with what some of what this person's saying. I agree with what some of that person's saying. I don't know what to think. I don't know how to do things. This place is a mess. Nobody can seem to fix it. There's so many problems and epidemics in our world. It's not just like with the world. It's not just with our country. It's even in our homes. You don't have to raise your hand or shake your head or anything like that. But think about this. Many of you in this room, not all of you, many of you in this room are saying, I am so thankful to be away from home for a week. Because you don't like home. You don't know what's going to happen at home. Some of you walk on eggshells at home because there's some people in your home that are ticking time bombs. You don't know what they're going to do, what they're going to go off about. This is reality. This is the world we live in. But here's just what I want to show you tonight. It wasn't always this way. Our world, humanity, us, each other. It wasn't always this way. The planet, all the crazy stuff happening to the planet, it wasn't always this way. So I'm going to take you back, and I'm going to show you something from an ancient book, an ancient book that is still relevant to today, the Bible. I call it God's Word. I believe it's God's Word. I'm going to tell you about an ancient story. Some people say it's just a, just a story, just something that man made up before we understood science. But I don't believe that. What I'm going to show you tonight, I believe every single word of it. You say, man, but some of what you're showing us tonight, it completely contradicts what we're being taught in school. I understand that. It contradicts a lot of what I was taught in school. Don't believe every single thing you're taught in school. 
Don't believe everything on TV. Don't believe everything on the internet. Search for truth. Dig for truth. Look for answers. You know what I'm talking about with some of you. I'm talking about that whole Charles Darwin theory of evolution. Charles Darwin was a wicked smart guy. But let's keep in mind what he had as a theory. Much of his theory has already broken down. Creation. The fact that there is a God. I want you to begin to think this week. I want you to begin to look around at this ranch, at the creation around you, at the creation that you are, at the people around you, and I want you to see the design. There's so much design all around us. And if there's design, there has to be a designer. If there's a painting, there had to be a painter. If there's music, there had to be a musician. If there's electric, there had to be an electrician. It didn't just happen. And there's so much design in you and all around us. And you could disagree. I still love you. I don't want to debate with you. But I'm telling you, this is what I believe. This is real to me, man. You got counselors here. You got staff here at RVR that are not idiots. Some of them have a better education than I have, more degrees than I have, and they've come to believe in the reality of God. They've come to believe in the reality of a creator. Some of the greatest minds that have ever lived, have come to believe in a creator. Atheists have come to believe in the creator as they searched and they studied. Is there something to this? One of them is one of my heroes named C.S. Lewis. Sir Isaac Newton was a believer in God, that God was the creator. J.R.R. Tolkien, the writer the Chronicles, not the Chronicles of Narnia, that's Lewis. Oh, the Lord of the Rings, man, and the Hobbit. Yeah, I haven't read that one. These are incredible minds. Last year I, wrote, I read a biography of a woman who was a devout feminist. She was a professor at a prestigious university. She was also a lesbian. Now, man, chill. We don't make fun of that ever. I'm not saying you were, but ever, we accept people for where they are. We love people for where they are. Doesn't mean I always have to approve. They don't have to approve of my life. We take them where they are. We love them. That's the reason so many people that are in that community want nothing to do with Christianity, because we look down our nose. We call them names but yet we don't understand their story. So this lady had a story. She had a reason why she was a lesbian. She had a reason why she hated Christianity. But through the the persistent prodding of God and through the persistent love of a pastor and his wife and in the community, she lived in this really liberal community. There were like no Christians there, but this pastor and his wife just kept loving on her and reaching out to her and accepted her just where she was. And when she had hard questions about the Bible, they would study that out with her. 
And eventually she became a Christian. Just think about these things this week. As I get ready to read this and talk to you about the reality of God, the reality of a creator that created us, something that really contradicts what's been pumped into your mind constantly. I'm talking from like kindergarten all the way up. I'm talking almost everything you see on TV going back to 65 million years ago, back when there was a Big Bang, this process of evolution, when you used to be a monkey. This totally contradicts that. Genesis chapter 1. This is what it says. What I want to show you is it didn't always used to be chaotic. It says, in the beginning, God. I want to stop right there. Because we miss that. We want to keep going. What did he create? No, no. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. What are you saying? Why are you repeating that? Because there was nothing else. There was no us. There was no planet. There was no solar system. There was none of it. No animals, none of it. There was God. He's always been. He's eternal. And then that God does something amazing. But in the beginning, there was God. What is this saying to us? It's saying a lot of things, but one of the things is it ain't all about us. As we look at the story of humanity and what happens throughout the pages of Scripture and even today, it's not about us. We're not the highlight of the story. We're not the ones that are supposed to be it. The universe is not supposed to revolve around us. In the beginning, God. Before us, above us, greater than us, God. And then it says, He created the heavens and the earth. In this whole chapter, I don't have time to read it, but I'm hoping as you go to your cabin time, small group time, you guys read it together, but I'm going to give you a summary of what happens in this chapter. God grows through an amazing process of creation. He begins the process by saying, let there be light, and there was no light, and light came from God. You say, "Did he? that was the sun, that, he created the sun. No, the sun hadn't been created yet, that doesn't come until I think day five. God just says, let there be light, and there's light. And it says that he separates the light from the darkness. There's a distinction. You'll see this all throughout the pages of the Bible. Light and darkness are so distinct, not only like physically in the material world, but even spiritually. There's darkness, and there is light. You see this come up in some of our favorite movies and books. The Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, there's light, there's dark, the dark side. God creates the light. Where does light come from? Light comes from God. It goes on, and day number two, it says that he creates the atmosphere in outer space. He begins to put the solar system up there. He's working all this. Now, I don't know if when God created light and that explosion happened of light, a lot of scientists say there was obviously some kind of starting point to the universe. I'm serious. Even scientists that aren't Christians, they will, they will admit there's been a starting point. They, they might call that the Big Bang. 
Well, if there was some sort of big bang, it didn't just happen. There's a law of cause and effect. What caused it? Who's behind it? See, there's so many philosophical questions you guys need to keep pushing. Where'd that come from? Well, the scriptures tell us in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He said, let there be light, and there was light. You want to talk about power? The words of God make things happen. And by the way, he's creating something out of nothingness. There's nothing. It isn't like, you know, when somebody gives us a bunch of Play-Doh or Legos, they give us something to create something. Here's Play-Doh, here's Legos, make a house, roll your Play-Doh up, make a snake. (laughs) You know, okay. God takes and makes something out of nothing. It goes on and it says in day three, he creates the continents, the seas, the rivers, the lakes, the trees, the plants. And he puts seeds within each one of them so that they can produce according to their kind, so that they will continue to be more trees and uh, more uh, plants and vegetation, that this process is going to keep going for eternity. Day four, he creates the sun, he creates the moon, he creates the stars. He says there's a greater light that's going to rule the day and there's a lesser night to rule the night. And he does this so that we have days and seasons, that we can keep track of things. God's putting all this together. We didn't think this stuff up. We can't make this happen. We don't have that kind of control. And listen, think about what he's doing. He's speaking this. Just speaking it, and it's happening. And the thing that I want you to catch, too, is every time he creates something, God says, it is good. It is good. He creates, you know, the atmosphere, the solar system. It is good. He creates, you know, all the plants and vegetation. He puts, you know, the seas, the dry land. He's forming continents. And it's, it is good. It's always good. There's no chaos. There's nothing wrong. No kind of disaster, no kind of evil. It is good. Why? Because it's coming from the one who is perfectly good, who has no evil in him. This is what he's doing. This is what he's creating. This is where our story begins for humanity. It starts with God, and we come out of that. A couple more things, guys, and we'll wrap up. Day five, he creates all the water and the winged creatures. I didn't really care about winged creatures when I was young, but the older I get, I love winged creatures. Yes, I'm the weird guy that has bird feeders outside with binoculars on the back deck. I'm starting to identify which bird is which just by the, the noises that they're making. My, my favorite, of, I mean, I don't get them in my area. The eagle's my favorite, but I love woodpeckers. They're amazing. They're smart. He makes all of that on day five. On day six, he creates all the land creatures. And he also creates humans. I'm going to talk about humans in just a minute, but I want to help you understand about land creatures because this is fascinating to me. He creates all the different creatures, all the different mammals, reptiles, and stuff. And he creates dinosaurs. 
You say, man, does the Bible really talk about that? Well, it doesn't use names like T-Rex. It doesn't use names like Pterodactyl, Triceratops. But there are some references in the Bible, Job 40, of a creature that was called the behemoth. There's another one in Job 41 that was called the Leviathan. It was a great, large sea creature, unlike anything that we know. We know there was dinosaurs. There's scientific evidence to prove that. So in the beginning, when we get to this part where he's creating land creatures, I don't want you just to picture cows, horses. Hey, there's a grizzly bear. There's a squirrel. Squirrel. Dinosaurs, man. I mean, the new movie, Jurassic, coming out, Jurassic World, whatever, and, and we look at that and we're just like, dude, that would be so awesome if they were still around. Hey, check this out. I'll tell you all why it would be so awesome, unlike the movie. At that time, everything on the earth was in perfect harmony, no chaos. When he creates Adam and Eve, let me get to this, and I'll come back to the whole dinosaur thing. When he creates Adam and Eve, it says that he creates them in his own image. We're unlike any other creation. I hate when people say, well, we're animals. I'm not an animal. I'm different from an animal. I'm the only thing that God created that he stops and he says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He formed us out of the dust of the ground. He formed Adam physically, and it says he breathed the breath of life into him. And some of you are thinking, like, man, this seems like some fairy tale, some legend, some book that I would read from the fiction section. I believe all of this. You see, it takes faith to believe evolution. A lot of those theories, it takes faith to believe this. Is there evidence? Yes. you got to search it out. But there's still an element of faith. So he creates male and female. And everything is good. He keeps saying that. It's good. He finishes creation, and he gets to the end of it. And he says, on the seventh day, he rests. Was God tired? No, man. God doesn't get weary or tired. The Bible says that. Really, it was an example for us. Because later he tells us, work six days and on one day rest. Take a break. And in our society in America, a lot of people don't know how to do that. That's why we're so messed up. Burning both ends of the candle. Listen, guys. God just goes off creating all of this. And everything is in perfect harmony. Adam and Eve, listen, if you could picture them when God puts them in the Garden of Eden, there's a garden that they live in, but outside the garden there's wilderness. Even if they went outside the garden, they don't have to tiptoe. They don't have to create spears. You see none of this in Genesis 1 and 2, like what if a T-Rex shows up? What if a mountain lion shows up? Everything, including the animals, and Adam and Eve with the animals, it's in perfect harmony, unity, safety. There's peace. There's joy. They have everything they need. It's constantly provided for them. And God is in constant connection with them like a father. They don't fear God. They don't feel guilty before God. You know why? Because they haven't done anything to feel guilty about. They don't, not that they had doors back then, but if they had doors, they don't got to lock them at night. 
They don't have to hear mom say, turn the outside light on tonight. Why do we do that? I know why we do it, because it happened to me a couple years ago. My cars got broken into. The officer came, and he said, let me ask you one question with your cars getting broken into. You live in a nice neighborhood. Did you keep your outside lights on all night? I said, no, man, I'm trying to save electric. He goes, yeah, don't do that. He said, let me tell you about something, some of these people that are out there that do this kind of stuff. Darkness is what he called them. He said, darkness hates light. They don't want to be around light. Adam and Eve didn't need to turn on security lights. They didn't need ADT. They had no pharmacies. They had no doctors. They didn't need them. We're talking about a perfectly good God creating a perfectly good world with perfectly good people that live in a perfectly good relationship with him, and they're meant to live in that forever. Hey, guys, all I'm trying to get you to get tonight is before the chaos that we're living in now, our world, our country, even our homes, even for some of us, our physical bodies, the stuff we're going through, because I know there's a ton of you that are like, I got to go see the nurse every day, every night. I have to get my medicine because if you don't, there can be chaos in your body. There can be chaos with your mind. God does all of this, guys. Before the chaos, it's just perfect. Perfect peace, perfect joy. Why? I end with this. Because Adam and Eve were under God's control. They let God be God. They didn't try to be God. They didn't try to get the control. They didn't try to take the control. God was in control, and they let God stay in control. And everything was the way it should be. And you say, well, what happened? What went wrong? That's what we're going to get to tomorrow night. They got to a point where they said, we want control. Instead of doing things God's way, we're going to do it our way. They were tempted, I'll tell you about this, with a tempter that came to them and basically said, you can be like God. You can have the control. So they stopped saying, let's stay under God's control with everything the way it should be. And they believed a lie. We can be in control, and if we're in control, it's going to be so much better. And that's when everything went out of control. Not just in the world, not just in this country, but even in our homes and our lives. It jacked up everything. Hey, let me close in prayer. We'll talk some more about it tomorrow night. Dear Heavenly Father, Thank you so much that we could be here at River Valley Ranch. Thank you for all these teenagers that are here taking a week of their summer just to come here and have some fun, to get to know new people, get to see old friends, but also, God, just to really learn about you. And it's not just that we need knowledge about you. We need to experience you. We need to know that you're real, that you love us, that you care about us, that this chaos that we're in and that is inside of us, that you can take that and you can calm that and you can do something better. You could take us to a better place. God, we need you. I pray that this week you would work in the hearts of these students. For the ones that don't have faith in you, I pray that you would help them to come to have faith in you, to see that you are real 
and you're not just real. You love them, and you have a plan for their life. And for the ones that are here who do have faith in you, I know they go through times of doubt, just like I do, just like I did this week. God, strengthen our faith this week. Renew our faith. Fill us with more peace, more joy. Remind us of our purpose and our mission. And God, remind us of what's coming in the future for us, a better place, a better life. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Life After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.